UGA Football News presents today's sports report. On today's sports report, we'll talk about University of Georgia football and more. And now, here's your host of today's sports report, Chris Hall. All right, welcome to today's sports report, a presentation of Bailey Hall and Brigette LLC and UGA Football News on Facebook and Instagram. And, of course, we have a familiar face with us today. Christy Manziel, recruiting analyst at CBS Sports, Georgia writer for 247sports.com, color analyst for Peachtree TV high school football games. Is there anything else I need to add to your bio, Christy? You're constantly, you have all these camps that you do and mm-hmm. all these other things. So anything else I need to add to your bio? I mean, the Lord blessed me with four beautiful daughters, so I got four weddings to pay for, so I'm a busy man. I can just tell you <laughs> If I can run a kickball tournament somewhere, I'll run one. So I understand. You know I understand. Hey, you, you know, you might pray for elopement. You know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not you saying. It. I'm just. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying. I got you. I understand. I understand. Well, we wanted to jump in here and talk a little bit about UGA football and uh, college football. Uh, you know, in in general. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, one of the staple things we did, and this will tell you maybe a little bit about my age. On Sunday nights, you know, we, we would turn our television. We we got three channels. Back then, we got three channels on our TV. You know, today we have 900 channels oh my gosh. on our satellite TVs, but I still only watch three t- uh, three channels, e- even to sure. this day. But uh, on Sunday nights, we'd, we'd turn on uh, the wonderful world of Disney. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was a Sunday night staple at my house. And every now and then, they'd have these animated classics. And I, you know, being a kid, I really enjoyed, you know, watching an animated classic. One of them I remember in particular was Casey at the Bat. Hmm. You know, based on the old the, the poem, you know, about Casey being a great uh, baseball player. Hmm. He comes up with the bases loaded. The game is on the line. Everybody's afraid Casey's going to hit it out of the park. And he strikes out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's kind of a sad story. Casey struck out. Well, I was, you know, the reason I was thinking about that was, you know, Kirby Smart and UGA did everything I think humanly possible, possible in in the college football world, to recruit Arch Manning to uh, be uh, a quarterback at the University of Georgia, but they struck out. You know, Arch Manning uh, last week, of course, making his commitment known to the University of Texas. Now, we don't, I don't blame Arch Manning. He can go where he wants to go, you know, and play college football where he thinks uh, he needs to play college football, and that's okay with me. Uh, It did kind of sting a little bit. I was really looking forward to somebody like Arch Manning being in the quarterback room at the University of Georgia. But he commits to Texas. So, you know, from your perspective, from from what you have heard, I I think this is just my, you know, opinion. I think Texas was maybe number one. Georgia was number two. I I, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, his second choice would have been Georgia. So why did he pick Texas? What was the motivation you think behind that of uh, picking Texas? Well, first of all, you know, such a high-profile recruit, such a, a player with that last name, he garnered a lot of attention, and and they handled this whole deal from the start just incredibly good. Uh, from everything I've heard, uh, obviously, I've been covering this for 12 years, and, and this is probably the most high-profile player because of the position and the name. Uh, he didn't ask to be named number one. He didn't go chasing stars. He didn't do that. They have stayed in their own lane. I think he's done one interview, maybe in two years that, I, that I've, I've covered and followed him. So 
you know, I think this is this is what I have kind of gathered. This is my opinion now. I want to be clear on that. And things I've put together. He made five visits to the University of Georgia, and he made five visits total to the University of Texas. He got a good look every single time at both of these schools, and there was a lot of interest from from him and his family at the University of Georgia. What I think, you know, just talking to some people, again, this is my opinion, I think the city of Austin was a big deal for him. You know, he's a kid, lives in New Orleans. Uh, everybody talks about Athens, a great college town. It's a great college town. Oxford, Mississippi, great college town. Uh, you know, these, these, these small town, um, you know, SEC towns, Tuscaloosa, all these places that encompass just that college football team. I mean, that is the thing there. And Austin's a, obviously a major city. He's from New Orleans. That's a major city. And I, I think at the end of the day, you know, when he started thinking, where am I going to spend my next three or four years? And people were like, that that doesn't make sense. Well, you, you know, Texas is a is a brand that's like the brand in college football. And uh, you don't sugarcoat that. So uh, little things separate. And I think at the end of the day, he not only picked the Texas Longhorns, I think he picked Austin, Texas over Athens, Georgia. And look, you hit it on the nail. That's that's his decision. But I can, without a doubt, 1,000% say that Georgia did nothing wrong, and I have said it from the start. Somebody's going to finish second in this deal, and there's no points for second place, but it does not mean that Georgia and Kirby Smart could have done anything different in the recruitment of Arch Manning. They just didn't get him, but they took it all the way to the finish line. And I will say this one thing. I, I wrote this on Dogs 247. Uh, the, the young man called Kirby Smart, and he did it the right way and informed him of his decision, thanked him for his recruitment, and, you know, a lot of times you don't hear that. I'm just telling you, and behind the scenes. So it says a lot about the young man. You wish him luck, but he did choose the University of Texas, and it was a very tight race all the way to the end. But at the end of the day, Texas Longhorns got Arch Manning. Yeah, and, you know, when I heard that his uh, tight end, his high school teammate tight end had committed to the University of Texas, yep, yep. I kind of said to myself, uh-oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, maybe that Texas is – going to get a package deal with those guys you know really and truthfully talking to multiple schools it probably wasn't a deal breaker for anybody not to offer him but it didn't hurt texas in any means i mean from what i understand that young man's father played with peyton in high school so there's a long relationship between the manning family and his family so it certainly didn't hurt texas uh, in any way shape fashion form getting him but i don't think that was the ultimate final decision but uh, you know, kudos for Texas for getting that done as well. Yeah, and you know, in this day, and I, I don't listen. I I don't blame kids for doing the thing where you sit at the table, you have the mm -hmm. hats in front of you, you have the hoopla, you have all the cameras and the attention, and and all of that. I I don't blame kids for that. You know, it's yeah. their moment. That's they right. worked hard. It's their moment. Uh, they they never had anything like that happen in their life, and they want to enjoy it. And I I don't I listen. If a kid wants to do that. I enjoy some of those things, you know, no and how they no kind doubt. of fake you out a little bit with the uh, yeah, picking up yeah. the hat and putting it down. But I really admire. Now, I really admire the way Arch Manning made his decision in a low-key way. He didn't have any press conference. Mm -hmm. He didn't have any multiple hats sitting in front of him. He just announced it. I think, if I'm wrong, I, I think it's the first and only tweet that he's ever made. Yep. He tweeted out that he had committed to the University of Texas. Yep. And that was it. So, 
you know, that says a lot about the, the, the kid, and I think it says a lot about his family system. That, that was unique, wasn't it? Well, he called Kirby Smart, and he called Nick Saban, and he put a tweet out. So, yeah, you know, had he done a press conference, you know, it would have been crazy. And um, yeah. if, he, if they would have said, hey, look, we're going to have a press conference today at 1 o'clock, Arch Manning's announced his decision. I mean, this was on ESPN Sports Center, his decision. And all it was, yeah. is, like you said, is a tweet. So he's a very high-profile young man. And, you know, I get a lot of people going, hey, he's not really that good. I have yeah. never seen him in person. But I can tell you this, from talking to a lot of people, if his name was Art Smith, he would still be a very highly recruited quarterback. So we're all going to see at the end of the day. But, you know, again, the question with Georgia – I don't think they could have done anything different. They did a great job, and they were there until the very, very end with this one. Yeah, and yeah, you know, there's there's been, I don't know, some commiseration on the part of UGA fans, and uh, you know, maybe a little bitterness has snuck out here and there with the UGA fans. But you know, I look at the UGA uh, quarterback room, absolutely, and it's none too shabby. You've got That's two right. five stars, you got a four star. And you got a guy who's won a national championship. You got Carson Beck. He has four years of eligibility, uh, you know, to play for the University of Georgia. Brock Vandergriff, four years. Uh, they've been under Todd Munkin's offense studying that. I mean, it's not like the cupboard is uh, cupboard no. is bare with the University of Georgia in the quarterback room, right? Yeah. No, and I'll tell you this. I don't think Georgia was really in the market for a 23, a class of 23 quarterback, so to speak. But when Arch Manning starts showing you legit interest and you're really in that deal, you have to do that and you have to recruit. But I, I think, you know, in no way, shape, fashion, or form uh, should Georgia fans panic because the quarterback room is deep and we all know the transfer portal and how things can change quickly. But all we can discuss is what they have right now, what they have going into the season, along with Stetson Bennett. They have three very, very highly recruited players uh, that will suit up for Georgia this year. So we'll see how it plays out down the line, but by no means is Georgia or their coaching staff in panic mode over this decision. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, with Arch not coming to Athens, that that may preserve one of our quarterbacks coming uh, into the transfer yeah. portal. Uh, you know, yeah, that you may, you may, that may have been a decision that saves one of those guys going into mm. the portal. So uh, what about the quarterback for Georgia in the 2023 class? Do you think they're going to get – I'm sure they're going to offer, and they have offered other quarterbacks. Sure. Where, where, where does that stand? Do you, you, is it a priority? Do, is it something they think they need to do? for? I know they're focusing on a guy for 2024. Sure. Uh, but, but what about in the 2023 class? Are we going to see Georgia sign a quarterback maybe? I don't think they, I don't think they have to. You know, I, I think you have to just kind of wait and see how things go. But right now, every quarterback in the country knows that Georgia was all in on Arch Manning. So, you know, will a guy like, uh, will a Hudson Mason kind of type player uh, play himself onto the board? You know, Georgia offered him in December that year, got him. Uh, you know, so will something like that happen? I'm not sure. But right now, I don't think Georgia is in too much of a panic mode. I think they'll be sitting for a really good spot for the class of 2024. They got several kids they're recruiting there, several they've offered. They got a very, very talented one in state and Jake Merklinger uh, down in on the coast in Savannah. Uh, everybody in the country's offered him. So there's a lot there left for Georgia. It will be a very uh, ideal situation for, say, a national recruit in 24 uh, for Georgia, in my opinion. So, you know, I think the, the, the decisions in December, does someone leave, will dictate what Georgia does in this 23 class. If they were to lose, say, multiple quarterbacks, that might be an instance where they go into the portal. 
uh, in December. They'd also look, you know, they'd also look more attracted to a portal quarterback at that point. So there's a lot of questions to be remained on that. But as far as right now, the current status of what Georgia and a quarterback in the 23 class, I'm leaning more towards they don't add one. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about, you know, we brought up, the, brought up the portal a couple of times. Georgia got no player through the portal this year. So was that far. by design so, or so did, far, did they, so far. Yeah, well, so far. Yeah. I mean, is Alabama got, you know, several through the portal, uh, mm-hmm. South Carolina, Tennessee, all these other schools. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is that an area of concern? Was that by design? Why didn't, you know, of course, it's up to the kid to get in the portal right. and say, I want to go to Georgia. And for Georgia to say, okay, you can come. So is that something we need to think about? You know, I think there's some graduate guys that do that graduate this summer, you know, different places that Georgia may take a look at. I don't know a particular name, but there's still some graduate guys that, you know, that could potentially add. But um, I think it tells you a lot about, it tells you a lot about the uh, roster at Georgia. Now, I, I know for sure they went after a couple wide receivers and, and didn't get either one of those guys, but uh, as far as anything else, I don't think Georgia's really desperate for anything. Uh, I know they would like to have a wide receiver, and they'd like to maybe have had an edge guy, an outside backer, a little bit of depth there. But you know, I don't think it's desperation mode. Some of these schools, Alabama certainly did a great job. They got Jermaine Burton from Georgia. You know, they had Gibbs from Georgia Tech, who's a stud. They get you know a guy from Louisville, who's one of the fastest players in the country. So they did a really good job with some of the voids they had, but. With Georgia, I think other than a couple of wide receiver spots they would like to have filled, I think they're they're fine there, and and uh, I really wouldn't be in panic mode with that either. Yeah, my, and now 247 Sports in your – by the way, Arch Manning had a 1,000 rating. A 1.0, yeah, yeah. A 1.0 rating, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, 1.0 yeah. rating. How do you – and there's only what, been three quarterbacks that have, have had a – or three players that have yeah. a, have had a 1.0 yeah, rating. How, how do you get that? How do you, how do you get that? I mean, that's super a, elite. That's how super elite. That? That, that listen. The the one thing I kind of distanced myself from the last couple of years is the rankings, and it's a it's a hard deal to do. It's hard to do rankings and have relationships with the players uh, because it, you know it gets kind of personal at times. So you know, I backed off of those things, but I've sat in those rooms, I've sat in those calls, and for for him to have such a high rating. Uh, he had to check every box for everybody in the room. And listen, I'm telling you now, he, you know, I've seen him in person at a Georgia game, and I've never seen him throw or anything like that, but he's a lot bigger in person than you think he is. I'm 6'2". I mean, he was he was 6'3 and a half, legit, when he walked by me. And I was like, man, he's bigger than I thought he was. And he's got a big arm. Now, he's not playing the greatest competition, so that's going to be questions he'll answer later. But, you know, if you sit in that room and you give Arch Manning that rating, on that ranking committee, he had to be unanimous, and he had to check every box for those guys. Yeah. Well, we wish him well. Yep. At the University of Texas, until of course, maybe sometime in the future, they play Georgia. Okay. <laughs> uh, here's here's the uh, twenty uh, twenty three recruiting rankings that you guys have. I think this is the latest. You got Notre Dame number one, Ohio State number two, in State three, then Clemson, Texas. Arkansas, and then Georgia at number seven, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, and Northwestern rounding out the top ten. Of course, this is early. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of movement, I'm sure, with these rankings. You'll see the usual suspects at the mm-hmm. top of the uh, the ranking pile. Kind of interesting right now, Alabama doesn't show up in the uh, top ten, but they will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, uh, they oh, will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, what is the – state of uh, the recruiting for Georgia now in 2023, in your opinion. 
Are, are they checking all the boxes? Uh, everything moving according to plan with the upcoming 2023 class? Uh, yes. And I think there's questions that, that you know, obviously, uh, I think defensive back, a lot more depth there. They're really low numbers, trying to take maybe four corners in this class. Just picked up a five-star in A.J. Harris. Yeah. Uh, I expect him to pick up another one probably here pretty soon. Uh, you know, another highly rated prospect and a defensive back. You know, I think the question is wide receiver. And and can they get some game changers at wide receiver? They got some really good players, but can they get a Jamison Williams? Can they get a Chris Olave, a kid out of Ohio State? You know, these first rounders, that's that's the next thing there for Georgia. I really love Brian McClendon. I think he's doing a great job. You know, I, I said it last night on Dogs 247 in a chat. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Georgia gets – they get negative recruited big time saying they're just a running offense or they only throw their tight ends. And – Right now, you know, you, the numbers and stats doesn't add up. It's like different places. You know, Georgia's trying to, to bring in guys. So I think wide receiver and offensive tackle are the two spots that Georgia needs to have a really, really good class. But as far as what they're doing in other positions, I mean, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they're when the month of July is over with, if they get who I think they're going to get in July, it's going to be another really strong class. But I think everybody's, you know, the people that follow this day-to-day, uh, really it's wide receiver and offensive tackle. Can Stacey Searles, new coach. Brian McClendon, new coach. Can those guys, even though they've been at Georgia before, they're back for their, their second trip now, can those guys boost those rooms and get some game changers? Yeah, cool. with that. Now the uh, Manning Passing Academy. You know, it was over the weekend, had all these college quarterbacks come in and they were tutoring high school quarterbacks. Sure. And of course, then they had their competition and uh, among the uh, college quarterbacks. Well, I would have loved to have been there. That would have been a lot of fun to see all that going on. Uh, the reports are that Stetson Bennett had a very good camp, very, uh, very mm-hmm. impressive uh, to uh, yep. those who were at at the camp. Can we put can we put all of this scuttlebutt away for uh, for Stetson Bennett, he's a, he won the national championship with Georgia, but you still feel that undercurrent of, man, sure. we could do better if we just sure. had somebody else there. Yep. Uh, is that is that ever going to go away, or is that going to be the way it is? I don't know what else he has to do. I mean, at some point, you, you have to look at the Georgia coaching staff and go, that's our guy. You know, I think a couple of things I watch close, and if you when you go back, and I'm not sure a lot of people listen to this dude, when you go back and watch the national championship game, and you see that late drive and you see the emotion come out of him, but you see two players in particular, two players. You go watch Zamir White go up to him and the conversation he's having. You don't have to know exactly what he's saying, but the tears in Stetson Bennett's eyes tell you what Zamir White's saying to him. And you watch a young man, Broderick Jones, who had to play in that game after an injury and had to play, oh, by the way, left tackle, and he had to play against Will Anderson and, you know, Dallas Turner, a bunch of first-rounders, and played his tail off. Go watch him grab Stetson Bennett and put his arms around him and look him in the eyes. And that tells you this. Stetson Bennett has the locker room. And if you're a fan, you really want a guy that that team believes in and two little things like that, when you watch Samir White, who, who's a very kind of non-vocal guy, uh, he's a lead-by-example person, always has been. When you watch him grab Stetson Bennett in that fourth quarter and you see what you can see him verbalizing and Stetson can't hold the tears back, that, that says a lot. If you've ever been in a football locker room, you've ever been on the sideline somewhere, and you see that type of emotion and that type of statement from a player like Samir White, tells you a lot. 
uh, the camaraderie is something in sports, uh, you know, sure. in, in football, basketball, or whatever. It really is something. You know, I've been watching this NIL stuff, and mm. I stand amazed at some of the figures being thrown around of, of how much money mm. some of these guys, are they guaranteed this money, or are they, you know, the, the I mean, several millions of yeah. dollars uh, are, are being, you know, these players are being told, if you come here, you're, you're going to earn this yeah. through NIL, whatever deals. First of all, do can we believe all of these numbers? And is it true? And can it be good for college football? I, Rusty, I'm still on the fence with this NIL thing. I understand oh, it. I know mm -hmm. it was a good thing, you know, mm -hmm. for kids to yep. be able to earn some off of name, image, and likeness. Yeah. But my word, some of these figures, millions of dollars yep. to play football, and you would have gotten suspended forever in uh, the past years for, yeah, you know, yeah, being definitely. paid to play in college football. So, Help me, help me when it comes to NIL. Help me. <laughs> well, here's 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 where NIL, and I'm with you. So you know, I always say this when I talk about NIL. NIL to me was, to, for instance, someone like Todd Gurley sitting in a guy's car for four thousand dollars, signing helmets and baseball cards and jerseys, knowing, you know, it was wrong, but it was four thousand dollars to a broke college kid. Now Todd Gurley has twenty five million dollars. So. His freshman year at Georgia, he was, you know, sensational. First time he touched the ball, he scored. You know, Todd Gurley earned the right when all those number three jerseys are in the stadium to make some money off of that. If Todd Gurley wanted to go make an appearance somewhere, he earned the money for that. Same way with Bryce Young. Bryce Young got a, a very big, you know, several big deals in Alabama. Well, he earned that. Yeah. And, you know, that to me, that's what name image likeness. The Jade Rashada, you know, committing to Miami, I've heard a lot of stuff. And I'm I, I'm fairly confident that that number floated around on Sunday night of 11 million dollars is totally inaccurate. But I do know from several different SEC schools that I have talked to their personnel that it was going to take in the neighborhood of about five million dollars to get him, and that was that was kind of where he was, and he was represented by you know a, a lawyer out in California, uh, and, and it you know I don't know the exact number, but at the end of the day. I, I would be pretty confident in saying five million at least to to get him, and that's not what this was intended for. You know, what does that do to a locker room? What if you're a freshman quarterback in Miami and the kid coming in behind you got five million dollars, and you know you got a new sweatshirt and a couple pair of Adidas? You know, what what does that what does that do for the locker room, and how much pressure you to put on this kid? So you know, you got a kid if he did. Now we, we will all learn about a year from now, in my opinion. Because these kids are going to start doing tax returns. I mean, there, there's a lot involved with this. And can these schools actually, when they get to campus, you can have a contract, but at some point you got to make that payment. So what, what, you know, how are those things laid out? How many, what's the terms? How many months? Those types of things, you know, all that. People get frustrated with me sometimes. Like, you know, why don't we talk about it? Well, I don't know. That's that's their personal matter. You know, that's that right. young man, his family. That's his business matter. Uh, so it, it's it's all new, man. And, you know, I have the stance. I'm, I'm with you, Chris. It, it's really like, I don't know if this is good for the game or not, but I'm very confident in this. I can't do anything about it. I love college football, so I'm going to go with it and see where it goes. But I, I, over the years, man, I have met a lot of kids that came from nothing. And I'm talking about nothing. I mean, I've been to, I have been to homes to do interviews and single wide trailers with no air conditioning. And these kids were very, very high profile players. Yeah. So, you know, I'm all about, if you go to school and you produce, 
and you know the school's making millions of dollars off your name then you should get a piece of that pie and all day long that that young man and his family uh, should benefit from that you know and I, I'm, I'm thinking about the coaches you know you have a kid come in okay he's got a five million dollar eight million dollar <laughs> nil deal i mean so the coach if 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 the kid doesn't show that he's a starter, that he's a legitimate first-line player, sure. is there going to be is there going to be pressure on the coach to play him anyway, because he's receiving all of this money and he's afraid, you know, that the boosters are going to come to him and say, "Hey, we've made this investment. You need to play this." What is this going to do? To, what is this going to do to the coach? Uh, so let's let's look at so Todd Monken. I think what do you get? was reported $2 million a year. He's offensive yeah. coordinator. Say Georgia were to have signed this kid. He walks in with a $5 million deal. <laughs> you know, I mean, at what point, how are you going to discipline him? And he coach, don't talk to me right now. I make more than you. I mean, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> I, I don't know how that, you know, I don't know how that works. Uh, you know, oh, but it, it's definitely, to me, I always look at the team aspect. It's such a different dynamic. Now, in three or four years from now, all these kids will be there with certain some type of NIL deal. But these first kids, they're reported getting these deals. I don't know. I, I talk to a lot of different people, man. And it's really, a lot of people are like, there's no way they can stop it. It's too far gone. Yeah. And there's a lot of people I talk to that don't actually believe when the time comes that these kids are going to get this amount. So this time next year, I think after we sign a full class and we get a really good scope and try to see what's going on, it's, the market's going to set settle at some point. So. Uh, but I don't believe in any shape, fashion, or form. Last night there was eleven million dollar deal, but I do believe it was in the neighborhood of four or five. I, I'm, I'm really certain on that. That's amazing. So that begs the question: Was Nick Saban right in what he said when he said all that he said that stirred well, up Jim and Jimbo Fisher? Was he right? I think he was trying to say it around. I think he used very bad terms. I mean, very bad delivery on that. You know what I mean? I think he yeah. got caught in a booster, which is so unlike Nick. Got in the I mean, boosters meeting. Yeah, I mean, he was in. The, he thought he was in the trust tree. I, I don't <laughs> know if he was in the trust tree at that point. You know, yeah. because when you talk now, anywhere it becomes you know content, and uh, you know, I think what he was saying, trying to say, was that the, the, the way the game is. This is not good for the game, but. You know, I, I don't know. I have no idea. You know, Jimbo comes out and says only one guy in their signing class got NIL. And again, it's, it's personal. You know, I mean, you don't you hear all these rumors, but I'm, I'm not going to ask a kid what's your NIL deal or, you know, all I need to know is what do you like about the school and, you know, kind of where you are, your decision. And, and the NIL stuff is, is, is not, you know, it's just new, man. We don't really know where this thing's going to go. I don't I don't know if the NCAA can do anything about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, no. You know, uh, speaking of new stuff, uh, the SEC recently had their meetings. Uh, you know, the the uh, their their meetings, and uh, there's a lot of discussion about scheduling. You know, you got oh, Texas man. and Oklahoma coming into the uh, conference in a couple of years, if not sooner. You know, they maybe try to do it sooner. So we hear we hear the divisions are going away, and uh, you know, no more SEC East and West. And then they're playing around these models of having three permanent teams you play every year and then you mm -hmm. rotate the other six, having nine conference games instead of eight, and eventually you'll play every team in the conference, you know, in so many years. Then you have the one-seven model where you have one permanent opponent every year and then you have seven uh, others that you'll rotate around and keep mm -hmm. the uh, keep the eight-game eight uh, model. 
Where do you think this is headed? Uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe it's it, it will probably wind up the three and six model. What do you think? I, I th I'm leaning toward a three and six, but I, I can imagine that so many with this with this. You know, you bring Texas and Oklahoma in this thing, and this league's going to be a superpower. And there's a lot there's a lot of alpha egos, you know, at these yeah. schools, and, and start to the top some of these places, and do this and do that. And uh, I would love. The content, if they would just let us mic it up one day and just let us record what they're talking about, just different opinions, but obviously they won't. But, uh, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the good old days when you had, you know, when a much simpler world, you remember that that holy war we had a couple of years ago between you were either Chick-fil-A or Popeye's sandwich. Who had the best right. sandwich? Right. So it's kind of, it's kind of you on the three and six or are you on the one and seven, you know, schedule here. So. Uh, you know, I, I tend to lean to that 3.6 model myself, see where it goes. But again, the one thing I can tell you, NIL, you know, the schedules, whatever, the game of college football is going to still be fantastic. And yep. you just have to learn to adapt to these new rules and see where it goes. But at the end of the day, they're still going to line up on Saturdays and they're still going to play all day Saturday and it'd be great to sit there. I call those 100 calorie days. You don't you don't yeah, burn yeah. you don't burn but 100 calories <laughs> if you sit there. So, uh, I try to, I, I had to try to get up and move a little bit on that Friday before cuz you get ready for Saturday. So, I'm excited for it. A lot of, a lot of change in college football and I just hope the people making the decisions make the right ones and, and get this thing right and and preserve a game that we all love so much. You know, I I, I was wondering Quickly, I, I was wondering about, uh, okay, you have Georgia, Alabama, you know, you have that, I guess, upper tier teams in the SEC, and they're there because they've earned it, you know, they right. yep. have been successful. But then on the bottom scale of it, you, you have, you know, Vanderbilt, and you have some of the teams that have just perennially a difficult time in the SEC. Sure. I wonder what, I wonder on the top tier or the bottom tier, is there a difference in what you think? Or does it matter? You know, if you're on the bottom looking up, is a, would you prefer one over the other? And well, by the way, are you gonna you're gonna do away with the divisions, but you're still gonna have a conference championship game because it's money, right? And so every uh, ev every May, whether it's Vanderbilt or if it's Athens, when that paycheck comes, all you're glad is you're an SEC. Yeah. And that that at the end of the day, I mean that's that's it. You know what I mean? When that check, yeah. every year you hear that you know Vanderbilt got 47 million, and next year it's gonna be 60, and it's gonna yep. be 73. And this new TV deal, I mean, it's going to be crazy the amount of money. So I, I think everybody's got a little opinion, but I think everybody's just happy to be in the club. And that, and that goes with Texas, Oklahoma. I mean, this is going to make the league that much bigger. The game's that much more valuable. And with TV, it's going to be insane. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun already. And you add all these other elements, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, Rusty, we're... 60-something days away from the first game. It's crazy. Uh, Oregon, September 3rd, uh, Georgia and Oregon at Mercedes-Benz. I, You know, I know we're in the SEC in the Deep South, but are you hearing anything about Oregon? <laughs> are they having, a, a, you know, a good mm -hmm. a good offseason? Are they getting a Dan Lanning? How, how are things going? Have you heard anything about Oregon, our first no, opponent? I haven't really dug into them, but, I, I you know, here's the thing. If anybody knows Kirby Smart's thinking right now, it's Dan Lanning. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think that Oregon's built to to get physical yet with a Georgia team. Now, uh, they're going to be replacing a lot of guys up front, but especially on the defensive side. But uh, you, you think that's a tall task for Oregon to come in here and, and play. And 
But, you know, the interesting side of this is Dan Lanning, and, and he knows Kirby Smart, you know, and he's going against, Todd, you know, Todd Munkin's offense every single day now. So he's going to know Georgia like nobody else. He's going to know exactly if this is what we do, this is what Kirby's going to try to do. Now, do they have the X's and O's with, with the Jimmys and Joes to go toe-to-toe with Georgia for four quarters? I would have a, I would be a little bit surprised, but that's certainly going to be a fantastic opener. Uh, I think what Notre Dame Ohio State play right after. So right you talk yeah. you talking about a, a very nice uh, Saturday afternoon. That will be a hundred calorie day. Uh, yeah, and then you got a, what Alabama and Texas coming. You know, and week two, week two, yeah, week two, and so yeah. uh, hey, it's going it's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. And uh, from what I can see now, Georgia is favored in every game. And significantly in some of the, I think right now, 17 point favorite over Oregon. Yeah. So you, I, you know, it's just your opinion, but yeah. the Bulldogs run the table again, or is they, are they going to stumble down in there somewhere? What do you think? Uh, that, you know, I usually put my final prediction now, August 1st, but from what, because I, I really try to dig into it for the month of July, I, I usually get past the SEC media days and then kind of get the vibe, see what's going on, what you hear, because that's when this really starts ramping up uh, the summer workout things. But uh, Georgia certainly should be favoring every game, and and uh, they've earned that. And you know, can you win those 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 close games and whatever? But Oregon is, is going to be a very very big test to start. That's no joke. Now, that that spread surprised me a little bit, but yeah. Uh, if, you, if you know the gamblers that I talk to say if you're going to get Vegas, you usually get them those first couple of weeks. So yeah. once they figure out who's who, uh, those guys get that thing figured out pretty pretty uh, pretty quickly. Hey, we're ready to go. Well, Rusty Mansell has been with us on our program today from uh, 247sports.com. Rusty, you're a busy, busy man, Uh and we appreciate you taking time to uh, join us on our program today. You stay safe, and we look forward to talking to you again really soon, okay? Thanks, Chris. All right. Thank you, man. Thank you for joining us for this edition of today's Sports Report. Be sure to join us for our next program as we keep you up to date with University of Georgia football and more. Until then, be safe and go dogs.